Thank you for joining us for our Renewal City Church podcast. If you're looking for ways to get involved, join us on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. at the Roxy Theater in Longview. Or find us online at rcclongview.org. We hope you're blessed and that this message finds you well. Uh, Welcome to Renewal. Today's going to look a little bit different than our normal teaching time. Uh, One of the things that was on our hearts to do at the beginning of this year was to give our eldership team just an opportunity to share about our ministry philosophy at Renewal, what we have going on. And, And the reason for that was because so often these people who serve in such an important role in our church, uh, you don't even know who they are because uh, we don't have their posters up. We, we got some really big posters made, but they messed them up, and so we didn't hang them up in the building. And, um, and you, might, you just might not know them. Maybe you're newer to the church, or maybe they just you've never connected with these people. And so we just wanted to give you an opportunity to hear a little bit from them, get to know a little bit of their personality. And so uh, we'll be... We'll be doing that today. Um, at, at Renewal, uh, we started uh, almost 10 years ago, and right away we went into organizing ourselves at, at, with an elders board that is entrusted with overseeing uh, ministry and the relational side of our church, and then a deacons board that is responsible for the organizational oversight, uh, really functions in many ways like a, a nonprofit board. Um, and, and with the idea that, well, this is, this is how we can organize ourselves and, and as a church be effective for the kingdom and, and, uh, and not mess this up too bad. So, um, so that's what we did. Now the, the role of our elders is based on something that we see happening in the new Testament, uh, a word that is often translated overseers or bishops or elders. And, and what happened was in the new Testament, you had the apostles who went out and preached and planted these different churches, and then they would be moving along to proclaim the word elsewhere, and they would appoint different leaders in those communities to to then oversee the work in their absence. They would appoint these elders or these overseers to to operate and, and lead and, and serve the church, um, to teach in their absence, to handle issues that come up, uh, all of that. And so... Uh, so our idea of elders just is coming from that tradition that we find in the New Testament. Paul writes to uh, Timothy, who's one of the people that was working under him, and, and he appointed uh, to, to pastor a congregation. Uh, Paul writes to him in 1 Timothy chapter 3, and he lists qualifications that Timothy should be looking for in appointing elders who would manage the congregation. Uh, I think it was in Ephesus where uh, Paul left him. Anyhow... Um, he writes in 1 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, he says, Here is a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now the overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate and self-controlled and respectable, hospitable and able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money, And he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. And he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. For if anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He continues, he says, He must not be a recent convert or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. 
And he must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. There I did it. I read the elders' passage. Uh, now, I, I, I was actually sort of waffling on, do I read this passage? Do I not? And, and one reason that I'm hesitant to is because I think one thing that happens in our culture uh, is that we'll look at a paragraph that has a list of a lot of things in it. And for whatever reason, maybe it's just a hypercritical spirit, really quickly that becomes a checklist for disqualifying people. And, and so, you know, the minute that my kid disobeys me or someone outside of the congregation questions my reputation, well, at that point, you know, well-intentioned Christians are calling for my eldership credentials to be stripped. And, and, I, and, and so I'm like, do I even read it? Well, I got to read it because we're talking about eldership. You can't read that. You, can, you know, you can't teach on this and not read that chapter. That would seem really deceitful. Um, I think, though, a better mindset or a better approach to passages like this is, is to think of it as Paul offering to Timothy a profile. This, this isn't a checklist to disqualify people. This is so that he'll know who to include, who to look for. Uh, maybe this is something so that he'll know where areas to challenge somebody. Maybe he sees some leadership potential in somebody, but they're, uh, you know, uh, uh, a lover of money. And he says, look, we would love for you to have a more influential role serving in the church, but you've got to figure out that there's more to life than money. Uh, I think, uh, so we, we see that as a, as a profile. This is, it kind of gives us guidance for these are the kinds of people that we're looking for, um, we also, in considering people for eldership and such an important role in the church, uh, it's our conviction at Renewal that, that we really should look at more than seven verses in Scripture when we're considering our, our candidates. Uh, we, we really try to uh, measure them in light of this profile that Paul has given. It's convenient to have it all sort of condensed in one place. But then we also tend to measure people across the, you know, the totality of Scripture um, and, and believing that such an important role deserves consideration of, you know, all whatever, 900 pages or, or however many there are. Um, this is one of the things that you might notice right away. When Paul is writing in this passage, uh, he, use all, he uses all masculine pronouns. He says he, he should, you know, husband. And so it would seem very clear from this passage alone that you should never have a woman as an elder in a church. Uh, but at renewal, we have women who are elders. And so right away, some of you that maybe didn't know that or, or if that's something new for you, you might be going right away. Well, this seems confusing to me. But the reason that we do is because uh, we believe that the totality of Scripture from the creation account on through the, the, the prophets or the prophetesses and the judges or the judgesses uh, into the apostles and the leaders in the New Testament, we see women serving in every, almost every role imaginable. And so we would tend to say then that, that the idea that, that Paul is only using he and he pronouns for elders has more to do with the cultural context of that day, similar to uh, the way that Paul didn't say, hey, you guys who have slaves should all stop that immediately. Uh, there's a cultural context that, that is in Scripture, and, and so we, we want to look at the big picture. And so we come away with maybe slightly different uh, considerations of it all. Um, Anyhow, our elders are tasked with working hand-in-hand hand with, with myself, James. I'm the 
pastor here. Maybe I should have started with that. Um, to, they provide uh, spiritual care, relational hospitality uh, to, the, to the church members. They, they're the ones who often will have our, our meetings and we're maybe planning events or we're bringing people in and praying over them. Uh, and, and they serve in a certain servant leadership role in, in a support role alongside our church staff who are doing a lot of the, the ministry work. Um, and, and they serve with, with these expectations. Each one of them who signs up to commit, we, we have a document that sort of outlines the role. If you'd like a copy, I could send one to you anytime. Um, but there's a few things that they're really committed to. One, they're, they're committed to being present at our church gatherings. Uh, one of our elders will be joining us with a video today because they're not here. But they're really committed to being present in our church gatherings. Um, and, and when they're present here, to, to be examples in, in worship and, and teaching and ministering. And, and um, they're committed to be present at the elders' meetings. It's, it's really hard if, if we're never meeting outside of the Sunday gathering to, to be on the same page and to, to work with things. Um, they, they commit to, to practice and to engage in a, like a shepherding, a pastoral care for people as the Spirit leads them. And so our, our expectation is they, they come to church, they make connections with people, and they're really listening to the Spirit. Is this somebody that God's telling me to invite over for dinner or invest a little bit more in? And, uh, and then finally, uh, they commit to exercise uh, faith in God and, and support of the ministry of renewal through tithes and offerings. This is one of those things where, as a church, uh, we we know that we wouldn't have we wouldn't exist in any kind of organizational sense if people didn't sacrificially share their time and their talents and their resources uh, with us. And we really want our elders to be examples of that and and to be practicing what we preach and all of that. And so, um, so those are the things they commit to. Uh, one of the things that we designed. This is taking so much time. You guys are all gonna have to trim down your parts. So, make time for me. Uh, one of the things that we designed into our leadership model at Renewal from the beginning was a bit of, uh, for lack of a better term, a bit of a revolving door for leaders. Uh, the last thing that we wanted in starting the church was to have the same, you know, dozen people lead the church for 30 years and miss out on the fresh perspectives and the spiritual insights that can be gained from inviting new people in to have a seat at the table uh, with some regularity. And and we also really wanted to normalize the idea that, that people can take breaks from leading or serving roles in the church uh, for reasons other than they've just had a, a tragic moral failure. Um, any of you have maybe been a part of a church for a long time, you've seen those things where a leader falls from disgrace, and then when you look back in your life, you realize the only time anyone ever got a break was if they had a moral failure. Well, if that's what I have to do to get a break, that just seems like I'm setting myself up for a moral failure. And so, um, so we really tried to normalize all that and the seasonal nature by which we believe God calls people sometimes to certain things for a period of time. And then seasons change, lives change, life stages change. Maybe God calls them to something else for another period of time. And, and so we, we wanted to model that and normalize that in our leadership. And so every year during the summer months, our elders take time to prayerfully consider their roles, how the Lord might be calling them to serve in the next year. And so consequently, on any given summer, there's a number of people who maybe are moving out of the role of an elder or a deacon and, and other people who are moving into that role. Uh, we've had anywhere from 15 to 5 people serving as elders at Renewal throughout the years. And, and a lot of that is just dependent on how the Lord is leading people who's ready for a break and, and maybe how actively we are at trying to recruit and, 
and fill open seats at the table. Um, there is this reality that we've been wrestling with, and particularly in the last number of years, that, uh, that, that people in our culture tend to be pretty slow to really commit, to really dive in. Um, and I don't want to pick on young people, but, but young people in particular, like, are really slow to actually commit to something and, and stick to it. And so there's that that's kind of just a part of our culture and a, and a part of who we are. And then there's this other thing that just the reality of for human beings that we have a tendency to tire quickly. And so um, we're slow to commit and people tire quickly. Uh, all of that to say that, that we are definitely in a stage where we're sort of actively searching and praying and asking the Lord who, who, might, who might be good people to help fill this role as elders. We have six elders right now. Um, I, I think by the end of the year, I would love to have, you know, one or two or, or four more. It just depending on how things work out. And so even as we're sharing or as you see the group and you're like, well, those six people don't seem terrible. I wouldn't mind hanging out with them more. You know, call me up. Let's talk. Let's let's talk about how God might be leading you to serve uh, in your church. So uh, always a need for a few good elders. Uh, ideally, the ministry that we do, we're shifting gears now. Ideally, the ministry that we do here at Renewal is is guided by, uh, well, guided by the Holy Spirit and the scriptures. Um, but because we're an American church, we have a mission statement, all right? Um, and our mission statement is raising up engaged citizens and equipping them with a re- resilient faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, what we do, we try to strategize so that it, it fits into this thing that we really believe God has called us as Renewal City Church to do in our community, raising up engaged citizens and equipping them with resilient faith in Jesus Christ. And so uh, our elder, Elder Ryan Motes, is uh, going to come up and talk a little bit more about that. You might have seen him before. I think he's... <clears throat> All right. James uh, said that there's no posters, and I'm kind of bummed about that. So I'm, I'm vying for, like jerseys in the rafters so when i'm done with my eldership we can look to the rafters and say that one was a good one um maybe uh all right so and then i i would hope that after you hear me stumble across through this whole thing you go i could do at least that so i'm getting a few more elders here in this um again my name is ryan Motes. i'm an elder here at renewal city church and excited to share with you guys uh just the, the beginning part of that mission statement, uh, raising up engaged citizens. So again, James said that our team thought it would be important for you guys not only to um, see us and, and hear from us, um, but more importantly for us to kind of break down that mission statement. So it's not just something that you see on a brochure or something like that, that it would actually mean something within our church. So um, let's see. Um, I know when I hear the word citizen, uh, I think more specifically about citizenship in our community, which is still a great place to start. Uh, but uh, let's see. I'm already losing my spots. Look at that. Um, okay. that uh, I think more specifically of citizenship in my community, which is great. But to understand our purpose and place in our community and neighborhoods and in our families, we need to be reminded that we are first citizens of the kingdom. Um, in Philippians 3, 20 and 21, Paul is writing to the Romans, uh, the Roman Empire, and letting them know that there, are needs, there needs to be more of an uh, allegiance to the heavenly kingdom than the empires and the communities that they belong to. 
Um, this is the reminder that I know I need, and I hopefully think that you guys would need, uh, to not just be focused in our roles, again, in our communities, our neighborhoods, our families, our workplaces, but be mindful of our place in, the, in our citizenship in the heavenly kingdom. Um, as citizens, we can also understand that we have an obligation to be ambassadors of Christ's kingdom in our communities, neighborhoods, cities, state, and nation. Um, as ambassadors of the kingdom, uh, we, don't, we don't get diplomatic immunity, and we are subject to the laws of our land and the authorities over us, and we are commanded by God to do what is good. And that's found in Romans 13. Uh, like James mentioned it, before, we, in 2016, we at Renewal felt the, the mandate of, um, from God to really seek the welfare of our city. Um, I'm going to say that again because I think it's important to hear. Uh, we felt the mandate for God to really seek the welfare of the city where the Lord calls us. Um, inspired by the words of the prophet uh, Jeremiah in chapter 29 and, the learn, uh, the, and leaning into the Jesus parable of the yeast in a lump of dough, we dig into the relational and institutional structures of our community and act as the leaven in bread, seeking the transformation of our community. As I spoke with James in preparation of this, um, I got to hear his heart and be reminded of not just his, but I, I think it's our heart as a, as a church body, um, that we love the unseen impact that engaged citizens create in our community. Because we don't care for, or nor do we want, the credit to be traced back to Renewal City Church. But we would rather have it point towards the creator that deserves the glory of stirring our hearts to do more kingdom work and more kingdom building around us. We have a list of ministries, not only that we support financially uh, here locally, but we have raised up engaged citizens serving within those missions. And I just want to highlight a few of them. So we've talked a little bit about Family Promise that serves the population of uh, uh, the homeless population in our community and meet the tangible needs of that community. We also have Young Life and Young Lives. That's a mission that's near and dear to my heart um, and my family's heart, um, but it's a mission that's reaching out, uh, unchurched youth. And the Young Lives component is reaching um, unchurched teen moms and teen dads in our community. It's an amazing ministry um, that we not only financially support, like I said, but we have people that are in our congregation that are serving meals, they're watching, ki like watching kids during club, they're going to the schools and saying, Jesus loves you. I mean, it's an important thing that we are serving um, alongside. We also have Fellowship of Christian Athletes that serves uh, youth in our community through the lens of sports. Um, we have folks that are not, not only adults, but also kids that are in our congregation that are on mission for their schools and, are, and their teams and are just sharing the love of Jesus through uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes, or FCA. And then lastly, we have Royal Family Kids, which uh, Betty did a great job of sharing the heart of. But again, it's a mission that's serving foster kids in our community um, and, and telling them that they deserve to hear that God loves each and every one of them. So as you can hear, there's so many different things that our community of Renewal is a part of and that we're engaged in. Um, so I, I just want to thank you guys for being a part of that and encourage you. If there's something that's stirring in you to serve, like talk to us. Ask us questions about these different missions. Um, ask us ways that you can get plugged in. I loved, again, how Royal Family Kids, I'm just going to use that as an example because I thought Betty did an amazing job of sharing that. 
there's if you have something to give and God is stirring you or pushing you in a direction to serve, do that. Like the first step is just listening to it and, and stepping out in faith, knowing that he's going to use you in that way. Um, so next, you are going to hear from my friend Corey Robinson. That's the, the one that's playing uh, hooky here and, and is going to play a video. Um, but he took time off of his lovely vacation to give us a few words. So here is Corey. Well, hello, everybody. If you don't know me, I am the guy appearing via Zoom. Uh, but if you know uh, my wife and I, Jamie, you know you're not surprised to hear that we are out of town. Currently, I am being lit by the Texas sun coming through the window right now, which is uh, just a tad hot outside, being about 83 degrees. So that's why I'm sitting in the air conditioning talking to you today. Um, I regret not being able to be there in person, but today I'm here to introduce myself and introduce something about the uh, global missions that we do at Renewal. So I am Corey Robinson, my wife Jamie. She actually spoke last week, so she will not be appearing here today since she appeared before you last week. Um, but one of the ways we serve here uh, at Renewal is on the elders leadership team. And uh, he has allowed us to build some genuine relationships and facilitate support with various kinds of um, missionaries that are abroad. Um, but before I get into what the specifics of that looks like, I want to kind of talk about why this is important to us and important to Renewal as a whole. Um, our core philosophy here at Renewal is that Jesus is for everyone, Jesus uses everyone, and Jesus changes everything. And we believe that this not only includes our body um, of just members, that it extends to the world at large. And so we're committed to the Global Human Commission, which is to share the gospel and invite all of humankind into the kingdom of God. Second Peter states that God is patient and not willing that any should perish. And we're also convinced of what's written in Ephesians 2, that if God reconciled us who are far off, that he is calling others who are far off as well. And um, we just also want to acknowledge that we have great blessing and favor being born into one of the most affluent societies in history. And, um, you know, we feel personal responsibility to use that blessing that God gives us to advance his kingdom and work in areas where humankind is not so affluent and um, literally the poorest among us. Uh, being convinced of these core truths, the renewal as a body, um, we live these out by supporting several global missionaries and organizations. Uh, the first of those is called Steps of Justice um, with Phil Cunningham and his family, and they serve in some of the world's toughest conditions. Um, they bring practical help in the gospel uh, to the poorest and the vulnerable, those such as refugees from war-torn countries or repressive governments, immigrants, um, and those that are impacted by disasters of all types, uh, natural and man-made. The second is uh, Gabe and Danny Kirkwood, who work with YWAM in New Zealand in the South Pacific. Uh, they specifically work with YWAM to train and equip young missionaries and to begin their own journey of sharing the gospel um, worldwide. 
and they introduced those young missionaries to unreached peoples of the South Pacific Islands and provide practical help and opportunities to the members of those islands to hear the gospel. Now that might sound familiar to you because they were here last week um, talking about that or the week before um, talking about uh, how they serve there. The third is um, Jody and his family and uh, they work through YWAM and they bring the gospel to the to Hindu peoples in South Asia most specifically by sh- supporting church planting and local communities um, where the gospel may have never reached or very or reached in very small amounts. And um, where they work, persecution is a daily reality for not only them, but for uh, people who accept the gospel, which is uh, why we are kind of intentionally vague about where they work. Um, but we support them in various ways. And um, good news is, Jody will be here uh, in February, and we'll have an opportunity to hear from him and the work that they do there. Um, Another is Ambassadors of Hope Kenya with Rogers and uh, Audi, and Rogers was here uh, very recently um, and spoke to us about what they do. And Ambassadors of Hope specifically provides schooling for Kenyan children and introduces them to the gospel. Uh, The second is they bring hope and help to widows who in that culture would otherwise uh, not be cared for. And these things provide a hope for their lives, both in the physical and the spiritual. Um, And finally, uh, least of these Guatemala, who are run by Phil and Holly Newburn. And the the least of these serves the Lord by reaching out to the poor and very remote communities in Guatemala, providing food, stable life environment and education to support the discipleship of the gospel in Guatemala. Um, ultimately, the support that we uh, we give these ministries allows us to fulfill the, our value of raising up engaged citizens and equipping them with a resilient faith in Jesus Christ, not only at renewal, but throughout the world. So if God at any time is leading you to connect with any of these ministries personally, uh, feel free to reach out to me, uh, Jamie, who is actually over there, um, and we would be happy to connect you and to help. Feel free to come introduce yourself to me. Um, sometimes I'm not there because I'm at work, unfortunately, but if you see me around, feel free to introduce yourself to me or to Jamie. And so we will see you guys soon after we have our beach trip in Texas. And uh, God bless you all. Bye. So, yeah, we're working at raising up engaged citizens all over the place. Uh, I'm going to have uh, Joel and Danny Perez come up, and or Danny and Joel. I don't know which way you two are going to talk, but um, they're going to talk a little bit about uh, the equipping work and kind of the second part of our, of our mission statement. So I'll turn it over to you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I'm Joelle Perez. This is Danny Perez. We've been married for nine years. We This is our first year on the elder team here, but um, we've been serving in different ways. I've been a part of like women's ministry here for several years now, and Danny on the worship team. Obviously, you saw him up here this morning, but anything from him. <laughs> uh, I'm also the theater manager for the Roxy. I, I know I've said that a lot, but it makes me happy to say it, so... <laughs> 
slip that in there. <laughs> um, so for that next part, we're talking about um, raising up engaged citizens and equipping them with resilient faith in Jesus Christ. So we kind of broke this up to, I'll be talking about our equipping work, and then Daniel will talk about um, the resiliency piece of that. So I wanted to just start with a scripture from the Great Commission, um, and that's in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So we're all called to be disciples, and we're disciples are dedicated followers of God. It's a process in which we continually learn, we grow in our faith, um, and we're equipped by the Holy Spirit. It's choosing to follow God first and foremost, above all else. Um, and one of the key pieces here that um, James had mentioned was that discipleship is most effective in fertile relational soil, meaning it is, I mean, I've found that it's impossible to really disciple someone if you don't have an active relationship with them. I mean, I think we can all think of a time in our lives where someone's told us what we should do or what we should change or, you know, something that feels almost a little bit more condemning than convicting. But when you have someone walk alongside you through those hardships in life, um, we grow together. And so um, that's really what we want to focus on here is the walking alongside each other, grow together, praying together, learning together, um, so that we can walk through life, through the, the hardships um, and the good things as well. So a couple ways that we do this is obviously on our Sunday morning meetings, our services here, we worship together. Um, we listen to James teaching us. We encourage one another. Um, and then we also celebrate the Lord's Supper and communion every week. And that's something that's open to everybody, that we believe that that's a really important thing to celebrate together as often as we can. Um, and then secondly, in smaller groups, we tend to connect a lot um, deeper with each other when we're able to break off into smaller groups and really talk through the important things going on in our lives that we can't do on a Sunday morning. Um, so we do those in a few different ways. We um, have a youth group for our teenagers where they're able to really dive deep into scripture and play games together and connect with one another. Um, we have Bible studies throughout the week, both for men and women, um, different small groups. We have mission trips, um, yearly retreats that we try to do, um, a marriage retreat, and then sometimes we'll do like a whole church retreat just to get together in a, a different setting where we can connect in a little bit different ways, and then obviously our worship team as well as another small group that leads every Sunday. So that's all that I have for small groups. <laughs> so again, my name is Danny, and uh, I wanted to talk about resiliency, which is the last portion of our mission statement. And um, Joel and I first came to Renewal in 2017, and I was, it was after a season of being sort of um, spiritually homeless in the sense that we were, had been planted in a church for some time. And when we left there, we were experiencing where God was calling us to. And, and we hadn't really found a, a church family that felt like the right fit. Um, so we came to Renewal in 2017 when we were meeting at Kelso High. And immediately it felt like home. We felt very welcomed. And we saw so many of our, our friends that we knew and recognized and felt like this was where we were supposed to be. And I thought to myself, 
surely nothing bad will happen here because look at all these happy people, super spiritual people. There's no way any tragedy will come to this uh, family. Uh, and boy, was I sadly wrong. Um, we had a what felt like a relentless season of illness and loss and death um, that pretty much was just back to back to back to back to back. Um, it was um, trying even for us as newcomers to sit alongside um, people who were experiencing these tragedies and um, and it felt like um, it honestly felt somewhat like an attack like we were being sort of put under this undue pressure um, spiritually personally and relationally um, we held on to each other and we held on to Jesus and that is um, kind of how we Resiliated, resiled, resiliency together. Um, it, I mean, we can find com comfort in scripture, definitely, um, because even even to this day, I mean, that, we've been here now for several years, but the loss just keeps happening. It's just the nature of being a human being in a broken world, and. Um, even to this day, and I was reminded recently, James and I worked an event um, that was a memorial service recently, and it just really reminded me um, that the way we embrace resiliency here at Renewal is by focusing on what is and what will be rather than what could have been or what could be. Now, of course, it would be nice if we could just pray to God and say, God, I really would just like this to change. And if we could just get to that, um, then I would be happy or then I would be content or then it wouldn't hurt so much. So, um, but that's not what scripture tells us. Scripture tells us uh, in John 16 and the verses are um, 32 and 33. The father is with me. This is Jesus saying the father is with me. I've told you all this so that trusting me, you will be unshakable and assured deeply at peace in this godless world, you will continue to experience difficulties, but take heart, I have con conquered the world. So what we can take away from that is that Jesus has conquered the world, and if we believe and we accept Jesus into our hearts, that we will conquer the world. Rather than saying, Jesus, if you could just change the world and the world could be different, then things would be fine. Um, so that's really what stuck with me uh, in terms of resiliency. Um, I have seen uh, so many people in this congregation embrace each other in a time of loss or in a time of mourning right where we are, not where we could be, not where we wish that we were, but right where we are. Um, and if we just continue to embrace what has happened and what will happen, um, I think that we're set up to be resilient in the long term. Um, Essentially, um, we, as we share these experiences with one another and as we carry the burden, we are reminded that God is still good, that God is still with us, and that God um, has overcome the world and will overcome the world. First uh, Peter, verses 3 or 9, um, sums it up, and I'll just read through that and, and wrap up there. What a God we have, and how fortunate we are to have him. 
this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. Again, that concept of what is and what will be. God is keeping careful watch over us in the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all, life healed and whole. I know how great this makes you feel, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime. Pure gold put in the fire comes out, comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through the suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of your victory. You never saw him, yet you love him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him. With laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to, total salvation. Thanks, you guys. Thank you, thank you all of you for sharing, and thank you for serving. Uh, most Sunday mornings, we try to take some time for small group discussions. Uh, I think just acknowledging it's really easy to come into a service like this, say hi, say bye, Never get beyond, hi, how are you? Fine, how are you? Fine, how are you? Um, and so in the interest of just getting beyond that, we we usually try to take time for some discussions. We're going to give you about six minutes to talk, and, and we've got a, uh, some questions for you kind of along the lines with some of the information that's been presented. Uh, we do this to help us connect, but also we do this because we have a conviction that each of you has... Uh, possesses, you know, within yourself, uh, valuable insight, valuable perspective. You have input that the people around you need. One of the reasons that God calls us to walk together is because we really need each other. And so I, I just want to encourage you as we take a little bit of time for discussion, uh, connect with people around you, maybe at a table or circle some chairs up or look around and see if, if somebody, hey, you want to come talk? Um, and uh, take a few minutes just to connect with one another, and then we'll come back to close the service uh, at the Lord's table together.